Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow man, hoping we can make it And that means it is time for Blog Talk Radio. And uh, we're glad that you are with us. And uh, if you are listening to this after the fact as a podcast, uh, welcome to you as well. Um, That's what's so great about this is we can come to these at at any time. Um, In fact, uh, when we finish this show, and if you're if you most likely are there at your computer, um, start scrolling down and, and look at what we have. We've got two years, folks, of guests and uh, topics, and it goes on and on. And um, we're going to actually start to uh, to cut some of these down into a little more bite-sized chunks, where uh, we can we can uh, get get some of the the uh, the real gems out to people and uh, uh, look for what we can do maybe with our with our new radio uh, station that we're starting next month and uh, and getting some uh, new use out of these things because uh, I still go back and listen to to many of these because I've learned so much. Um, Okay, so, you know, here we are. We, we are still with the theme, the general theme of Johnny's Cafe, which we really were talking about being Christians in the world, in the marketplace. What does that look like? What does it take in our thinking to be out there? Um, and what are, what are some of the issues and problems that we face in the world as Christians? And uh, here to help us with that, Tonight is someone with a lot of experience, especially in the business world. Uh, he has been uh, a dean, uh, college professor, a dean of business school at Viola. He has been um, and now working with an organization called Convene, which we're going to have him tell us about in just a minute. Uh, but he is spending time right now uh, with uh, CEOs and business leaders, uh, primarily those who are Christians, seeking to figure out how to look at their uh, place in the world um, from a, the standpoint of their faith. So uh, this is really exciting. We are very, very privileged to have uh, as our guest tonight, Daryl Passwater. Daryl, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Great to be with you, John. I've always been a fan of yours. Uh, I love what you do, and anything I can do to help you and your audience, I'm happy to do so. Fantastic. Um, uh, why don't you tell us right off the bat what you're doing now, and uh, which which is connected with this organization called Convene? Tell us about that, 
and and what is it actually that that you do with Convene? Great, be happy to. Well, Convene's been around for probably 17, 18 years. I forget exactly. I've been a Convene chair for a dozen years. Um, while I was a dean, um, I decided that I really enjoyed this. And to do justice to as an administrator in a business school takes, you know, a 24-7 mentality. And, and I said, well, how about if I just become a professor? So I wound my career up as a professor. I've been teaching since 1977, and uh, I think I know what I'm doing, even though every day is new and there's always more to learn. But, I mean, I, I knew how to develop those things, the classes for undergrad and MBA students. So I had a, I had a bit of a leisure time, if you would, and I, I so I jumped into the convene world, and I really love it. It's um, one of the little kind of the ditties they say is life on life over time. Um, consultants come in and have specific tasks to do in a specific role. Uh, convene is more of, uh, well, I tell people when they ask me, what do you do for a living? And I don't mention convene at first or anything, but I say, I'm really a professional question asker. So what we have is a relationship with business owners, CEOs. Uh, I have a, well, actually I have three groups, but I have a group uh, of adults and then I have two younger leaders. I'll tell you about that in a second. But anyway, I have 15 members in a group, and we meet once a month for eight hours, and we roll out a lot of different business issues. And the goal is for us to come. It's all under confidence, meaning nothing leaves the room. Uh, these are all Christian business owners or CEOs. And uh, we'll talk, tackle um, sometimes content, which is relevant to their work world. Uh, things like, you know, what's the future of Bitcoin? So I mean, we, we all have to better start thinking about what that means. What is the impact of Amazon buying Whole Foods? Uh, again, the, I'm being very granular here, but it's we, we try to tackle global issues and, and uh, issues related to the work world, whether it be HR or um, how, proper outplacement of people and certainly good skills about how to hire. So there's content that we provide. But the bulk of the day is uh, business owners will identify their biggest challenge and they will bring it to the table with some clarity and thought, and we will then ask questions. And and 90% of the time, they know more. I mean, 90% of the time, they know the answers to the question we're asking, but sometimes they don't see the importance of the questions we're asking. So, in other words, to get to the core of the issue sometimes might be fear. In other words, I'm afraid of taking this step or whatever. And and they may know the, the logistics and the cost, the economic cost or the time, but are they dealing with some of those really core issues? Um, they may have a minority um, owner that doesn't feel like they want to go the same way that they, the majority owner, wants to go. So there's all sorts of challenges. So we ask questions to say, you know, what would be honoring to God and how do we deal with this in a God, and again, a God-honoring way? So we ask questions and then we try to help them with some recommendations. Nobody loses any sleep if, in fact, they don't take our recommendations. But... Um, when you have 14 people listening to dissecting the essence of the question with surgeon laser-like performance, um, guess what? Then they all have 20 to 25 years of business experience. It, the collective wisdom is mind-boggling. And when the scripture in Proverbs says there is wis- wisdom in the counsel of many, that's a bit different than talking to the person flipping um, burgers at Carl's Jr.'s and saying, hey, what do you think about this? this that would be ir- irrelevant to the the discussion, but when you get 14 Christians who are focused and have experience and they ask tough questions, good things happen. So we really drive business performance. We, we're not uh, profit is the outcome, 
of having the best product and or service with the right people effectively working as a high-functioning team, motivated and incentivized and compensated properly, and, and that you get to your market well and, and your, your, again, laser uh, beam on who your niche is, your demographics, try, hence try not to waste money or time. Mm-hmm. And so when we, all those things happen, guess what? Profits happen. So we definitely want everybody to be profitable, and yet we also want to say, how do you take care of the people that have helped you make that profit? So it's not just about how do we buy fancy $150,000 boats and take travel first class around the world and buy jewelry for our spouse. It's not about accumulation of those things that are you know, called the trinkets or luring things. It's about how can we have a great uh, kingdom impact on our employees, our customers, even, believe it or not, our vendors, and while – it's hard to say, even our competition. How do we have a kingdom impact on all those people? And if we stop and think about the sphere of influence, so uh, I'll give you one example. I have a manufacturing company, uh, has four divisions uh, in different parts of the uh, western coast, and uh, I think they have about 350 employees. I could be off by a couple there. And, and how do we make an impact on those people's lives, the people who help make the, the manufacturer the, the wear? So it's really fun to do that. So we're driving business. We're developing smart, godly, wise leaders and helping the whole sphere of influence grow spiritually. So that's, that's what we try to do. And then I get the privilege of, I'll finish with this, uh, meet one-on-one with each of my leaders um, for an hour, an hour and a half every month. And, and we just, I try to hold them accountable. <laughs> People jokingly say, hey, I tell you things that I don't tell my pastor or even a counselor. And uh, because everything mm-hmm. said to me is confidential and we have a long history and I think you'd call it a trusted advisor, if you would, that role I play. But that's what I do with Convene. And I have a young leaders group that I started eight years ago and I have uh, 14 pretty impressive. They started off at 21 to 26 years old and add eight years to each of those people's lives. And I would I've taught them how, how to ask great questions. All 14 of their businesses are thriving, growing expanding and um, I will put them up against my uh, 40 to 60 year olders any day of the week. Really proud of how they're growing and maturing. And then I just started a third new group, albeit small, there's eight. And uh, it's a little different group. The, the, the young leaders, again, either own their own company or going to be taking over, say, their parents' business. So the entrepreneurs, just a smidge different, even though the format's kind of the same. It's just these are people who are hoping to become entrepreneurs and they're still young and they have these ideal things that they want to do, and they want to know how to help create a business. And so I'm helping them create businesses over time, and, and there's several that have done very well already, and we've only been together six months, seven months maybe now. So I have a lot of fun with an organization called Convene. I, I believe in what the leadership's about. I believe in where we're going, and I think it's a healthy movement. And just a quick announcement, um, FCCI, <laughs> I forget the Fellowship of Christian Companies International, I think that's the proper name, FCC. They've been around a long time. Forgive my ignorance on the official title. Uh, but we have just joined and merged together in a sense that, well, we're not, we're not sharing resources economically. We're sharing resources of 
of, of um, speakers and conferences and, and, and curriculum and and if their format is a, is dramatically different than ours, meaning people come for just an hour and a half or whatever once a month, ours obviously is what I just described. And if somebody comes to our sphere of influence and it doesn't fit our model, we want to make sure they get into their model and vice versa. So it's an incredibly healthy alignment that has a lot of commitment to saying how do we get the greatest impact for the kingdom. So we're really excited about it's not about us. It's, I mean, to mean or FCCI, it's about collective nosotros, if you will, how we, the Christian community, can have an influence on the kingdom. So that's that's one thing. The other thing I do, you know, I'm probably much longer when than you wanted on this one, but um, I'm also a consultant, which is the other side hat, um, but it's a different role. I have about um, 12 different clients ranging from a billion plus revenue to, uh, you know, uh, 20 million. And I get the privilege of being their trusted advisor, do leadership development, uh, help them problem solve, conflict resolution. I also am a peacemaker mediator, which is a wonderful thing that I encourage everybody to get, get Ken Sandy's book, Peacemakers. And uh, it's great for the home, for kids, for anything. Learning how to effectively use God's word to impact people, to get them to see perspective. And so I have the privilege of mediating divorces that have turned back into marriages. Um, I've uh, mediated business contract disputes between Christians, but it's all based on praying for one another. In fact, I got to tell you a cute story real quick. Uh, one of my mediation things, I had two very, very important people. I can't mention the organization or their names, obviously, but they were not at war. They were just not happy with each other. They were just different, you know, tomato, tomato, you know, whatever. Uh, Caribbean, Caribbean, um, and it was sufficient enough to cause them some tension, and, and they weren't getting along real well. And yet, they're wonderful, wonderful men of God. And I said, "Well, I have, I have a, a rule. Before we meet, you A have got to pray for B for 14 days. No, there's no, no scripture in 14 days at all. I just, the, you know, if you're going to pray in earnest for this, your your colleague before we will meet, and it had big impact for them not to be going together. So they wanted to find a way if they could peacefully coexist and, and uh, overlap con, you know, congruent mission. And uh, so both agreed to that. And then and I said, I'll check in with you halfway. So on the day seven, I contacted person A and I said, how's it going? He says, well, okay. Yeah. Are you praying for him? I go, yeah, well, and I go, that doesn't sound convincing. So why don't we do this? Why don't you get your calendar out? Let's start all over again. And I, what I mean by that is a sincere prayer that you're praying to love that man and to understand that man and hear the voice of God through that man and so forth. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll do that, Daryl. Okay. And then I called person B. He says, yeah, I've been praying diligently for that other guy. Great. Well, let's get your calendar out because we need to start over again. Uh, okay. Well, and then of course, uh, Seven days later, I contacted A, and he, he said, and the first interpretation I had was he wasn't really excited about my intervention. But anyway, I, I called him and said, how's it going? He goes, no, I don't need you anymore. And I go, I'm ex- anticipated instantly. He doesn't like what I'm doing. And uh, he says, I'm the jerk. I had to call and uh, talk to my friend, and we met, and I asked for forgiveness, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even meet with them. <laughs> I, I never had a, other than a phone intake, and it was really it was enough that it was a problem, but it was certainly not no, no sin anything like that. Just just male egos in their mid forties, and uh, the yeah. bottom line is, is no, I'm the jerk, and so I do peacemaker mediating, and I, I just have so much fun. That's but my great. biggest fun in life 
is I'm, I'm 68 now and I have a lot of energy, but I, I spend, and I just finished uh, since nine this morning watching my grandson until just a few minutes ago. And I love having influence over my two grandchildren and a third coming in two or three weeks. And I didn't have a family, John, uh, much less if you don't have a family, you don't have grandparents. And for me to have close proximity and relationship connectedness to my my two wonderful godly sons and their beautiful godly wives and their precious each having one kid. My biggest influence, quite frankly, is the next generation. My wife and I broke the cycle of dysfunction with um, uh, her family was dysfunctional. I didn't have a family. And the bottom line is we were married for 42 years and dated for six years and uh, four years roughly now. Um, she graduated to heaven with a, after a battle, a 10-year battle of cancer. And um, mm-hmm. But my greatest opportunity now is to have influence over my my young sons who are doing rather well in their business and my grandchildren. So I've got a higher calling than even business. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. Yeah. I'm very, very blessed, John. So that's a long-winded answer to what am I doing. So I'll let you go back to asking some questions. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. I mean, I feel like closing in prayer or something. <laughs> that's really. Well, if you do, make uh... a song because I love, I love your songs, you know, and, I'm just be real quick commercial that. But back in the in the seventies when I first heard and met you, I just was so enraptured yeah. with uh, the the whole PBC and what John Fisher was doing and and you had a major impact on, on the Christian world and, and certainly my wife myself. Uh I mean I can't tell you how blessed I am to know you. So Yeah. Uh, well thank you. Thank you. That's that's very encouraging. Oh gosh. Um well you gave us so much. I I don't even know where I want to go now. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I I'm excited that it seems like you're with the same people um, over time. Is that right? That's what it sounds like. Yeah, I, I've, I've had I've had clients for 12 years now, and I have a lot for 10, and some for eight, and of course some two or three. So yes, I've long time commitment to these people. Got to be a huge value in that, I would think. Well, I don't I don't treat client like a client. I treat them like it's my own business. These are family members. I mean, I know my people. I know their kids. I know their spouses. I know I know their life. Uh, they know that I know their life. And so, you know, the good thing is if they start to stray, I can quickly pick that up and ask them what's going on. What are you thinking? What are you What are you dealing here? So the upshot is that they like knowing that somebody knows them. They know their leaders. They've gone through iterations of leaders. I mean, with my 12-year clients, I mean, I bet they've had three VPs of this or that. And and so, and there's a high level of trust because they know me as well. They know what I will and won't do. And and I'm always there to support the ownership, but I always want to keep it in a, in a very kingdom focus. And by the way, just for the fun of it, um, the like, there's one organization uh, they just sold about a year ago now, and I was in the life of 20 of the leaders. Um, it was an educational technology company that did a great job. Started we we start. I mean, when I say we. I was with him when he started eight years ago, not nine now. Excuse me. And uh, he built it up and sold it for many hundreds of millions of dollars. And uh, bottom line is, I was involved with 20 of his leaders over the last uh, seven of seven years. And four or five of those 26 of them, they, they weren't Christians, but they, I always ask, can I open in prayer? And they, every time they say, please do it, even the non-Christians. 
I have never had anybody turn me down and say, is it okay to pray for you? And the end of every session, I ask them, what's the top of mind? Don't be thinking, just top of mind, what's your biggest challenge at home, personally, with your family, at work, whatever. Top of mind, what is it? And so because I always ask them, what's one thing I can pray for you about? And then I jot it down. We pray then and there. Even again, for my non-Christians, they never turn me down, never. And um, the the issue is is that I, then I can talk to them about tell me how tell me how your mother-in-law's health is doing tell me you know might have cancer or tell me about your son who's on drugs whatever the issue might be and and you know what people when they trust you and you've held everything in confidence and you have a sincere love for who they are I I, I treat every person with dignity and respect and and if they don't know the Lord that's that's not my issue that's their issue with God. I'm going to be an ambassador for the Lord and whenever possible um, make sure that they understand that. And so they know who I am and I don't go around preaching. I just go around living my life hopefully as a light for the Lord. And just for the record though, I have, let's say on a given day, I have four one-on-ones. Some days are seven, but say four. Um, Before my feet hit the ground, um, I'm praying for wisdom for each of those four meetings and asking God to reveal to me because I'm just an average intelligence critter. And I, but I'm asking for the power of the Holy Spirit to give me wisdom to what to ask. And when, when I'm hearing them, I'm trying to find the people. Every word, every action has a why. Uh, my, re, my role is to discover what's the why, what's going on behind the scenes. And they may not use the right words, and then I'll ask them a question. Well, tell me, is this an issue for you? And I always ask you know, the question because they say, no, that's not. But I mean, I say 85 to 95% of the time they go, yeah, that's really an issue for me. How did you know that? Well, you told me you just didn't use words, you know. And sometimes it's their, it's their pace, their tone, their body language. There's a lot of ways that we can – I'm not clairvoyant. I'm not a prophet. I'm not, I'm not even a psychiatrist or anything like that. But I'm just you – know, if you learn to listen to what they're saying, they're going to tell you what's going on. And so over the years, you know what? I think I have learned to listen well. I'm not always right. But that's when I ask a question. Guess what? If they say, yeah, that's something that's really troubling my spirit, I said, well, let's talk about it. So people like John Townsend have taught me a lot. I mean, I, Ken Sandy's taught me a lot. I mean, there, I got many, many mentors who have really helped me figure out how to do this. So this didn't come overnight, and it didn't come mm-hmm. innate. It's taken a lot of hard work, but it's helped me so much learn to do the opposite of what I've been doing for the last 20 some odd minutes. And that's talking. I don't do much talking when I'm with Mm -hmm. my people. I just Mm -hmm. listen and ask questions. And, and if they, if I can ask the right question, it changes their, their game and they know somebody cares. And I do have a bit of business knowledge and experience. Not that I'm an expert in anything. I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm well-versed in most things. Um, But they, they, when you, they have somebody that they know cares about them, has listened to them, and has a, a good understanding of what they're talking about, then that's a rare person. So I'm in, I'm in a very fortunate, blessed person to have the honor of being in their lives in that capacity. And again, it's different than counseling. It's different than pastoral counseling. It's different than you know mediation of, of, of conflicts, unless, I, unless I'm asked to do that. It's really a, an incredible joy and I could not have any more fun than what I get to do now. 
So that's well, what I do. And that's, that's fantastic. Well, well, I would say these people are. I would say these people are very fortunate. Uh, that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, you mentioned Daryl, the younger group. Uh, sounds uh-huh. like they're primarily millennials. If they're in that age group, somewhere in there, twenty-one to twenty-nine. Um, yeah. Uh, what what do you tell? What do you see among? Uh, those those group of Christians. What uh, what's what's different uh, about them than maybe maybe the older guys? Um, uh, I, I don't know. Explain that generation to us. Uh, are there some things that just stand out that make them unique? Well, I, I yes, there's there are many things that stand out. But I'm I have a subset of the millennials who are really focused and committed, and it's interesting. I have them write down their insights at the end of their our daily meeting, and then I collect it's, – it's a carbon copy thing, if you would, or uh, IBM copy, whatever they call it. Um, and mm-hmm. so I get one copy, and they get a copy. And I, and I look at their notes, and it's just a crack of – they are – my group are so hungry that when I use some sort of statement um, – I'll, I'll use an example. You know, don't expect a miracle unless you pray for one. And you know they'll write that down, and I, and I'll talk to them. I go, well, what does that mean for you? And they go, it means that we have to take our faith seriously, and that we got to let God do it. And you blah blah blah. And it's just so wonderful. I just make a little quip, a little statement, and they're writing it down. And I and I'll say like, don't let words get in the way of your communication. And they'll write that down. And then so when I'm I'm talking to them, if they're one on one, I'll follow up. I've got a very highly focused, motivated group of people. So I'd say it's a it's a special niche that I have been fortunate to have. But overall, I think the the millennials are really smart dudes and dudettes. They really are. Um, they are able to be <laughs> nimble and they're able to uh, figure things out very quickly. And, um, mm-hmm. and and they certainly know technology. I mean, I I laugh at myself. I'm an end user, but by no means am I technology <laughs> capable. And and the, you know, I'll, I'll I'll ask for help. I actually I'll email my people. I just emailed one of my people. I says I, I need some help on this, and and they instantly respond. But they're really smart about that. They have figured out the new marketing scheme. By the way, um, marketing. And I apologize to anybody who listens to this, that they send their kid off to a, a Christian college or secular college, unless they really understand e-commerce uh, marketing and marketing principles of uh, algorithms. Um, and, and many of the teachers that are teaching marketing are teaching them the old, you know, the four P's product uh, place promotion and, and, and uh, product price promotion in place. And, and, um, and that's just gone by the wayside. And, and there's a lot of people who are getting mm. some really antiquated information. And when I say antiquated, I mean anything, anything five years old is now antiquated. The world of wow. commerce and retail has changed so dramatically. And uh, retail malls are going to be um, scarce commodities. They're like regional malls, but I don't think you're going to have many strip malls in the next five years. Uh, you can find some local malls that are, that are very low occupancy it's it's really going to change the world of, of um, retail in fact I take a survey all the time between the end between Black Friday I think it's called to the end of the year so Thanksgiving to the end of the year what percentage your your um, purchases are online now versus uh, going to the mall and I will yeah. get on a regular basis 75 to 95 percent of all of my purchases are, are online and and the whole world of Amazon wow. and 
is just taken over, and and the, the retailers are in deep, deep trouble. Um, even the key ones, um, Nordstrom's hit some hard times. All these people are having a hard time, and therefore, it's all about how do you get to your market with the cost. The cost of acquiring a customer through e-commerce is a could be a very negative experience for you, and as a result of that, you've got to be very accurate, very keen, very aware of the demographics and how to um, ask for the algorithms for lasering in on your on your population and they younger people know how to do that or are learning to do that through their their metrics where anybody over 40 goes i don't even get it so i think there's the technology bent is definitely in their favor and you better be nimble and you better be aware and you better realize like amazon they change their game i don't want to say monthly but it sure seems like it's monthly it's probably every six months they have a major transformation and if you're not staying with it, you can have a uh, – well, my son has a um, $70,000 a month um, um, sales on Amazon, and that's only a small portion of what they, they sell. Um, they have their own website. And one month, uh, Amazon changed, and it went down to like $1,400. And we didn't even know it until, you know, we what happened. There's got to be some misunderstanding. And they changed the rules and changed the way it's done. And they, they, my son came, and two, three, four work days later, he had it back up and um, – doing even better, you know. So I'm saying you, you can't see the status quo. These guys are ready to get in there and fight for that. But then there's a lot of millennials who are afraid to even jump in the game and, and get there. So I feel badly for those who don't really be, pursue excellence in technology um, mm-hmm. because they're not mm-hmm. going to advance. So we have, a, we have a group of people coming up the pipeline that are going to go through some what I call vocational depression because they, they've been taught old wow. things and they haven't figured out new things. And you – it's ever changing. I mean, we're talking monthly. And um, bottom line is that you've—they're bright and capable, and those who want to do it can do it. And those who don't want to are going to be left behind, and they'll be working for minimum wage the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like uh, it's a—it's a good time to uh, to be a Christian, to have, have something to hold on to, uh, other than this this fast-changing world that we're in. Uh, that seems to be even making that more important to me. Oh, it's, Would you agree with that? You know, our hope is, uh, yes, our hope is first and foremost in Christ. And that doesn't mean we're going to have an easy road. And by the way, uh, challenges yeah. I consider to be our best friends. And if you see challenges as the enemy, you're in trouble because every, everything's changing. Mm-hmm. So the challenges become real and, and in your face. So do you see them as your friend or an enemy? And I've been encouraging people to see them. It's the breakfast of champions. I'm quoting uh, Henry Cloud there. But uh, it, it, they're not our enemy. And if you see it as an enemy wow. and you go to a fear base, then you have a different response to say, then, oh, my gosh, how can we help solve that problem? That's what everything's got to be. And guess what? It's got to be re- redundant and get the rhythm of doing it every single month. And I lead, um, I lead retreats. Um, and and we, I ask one question: How do you make? And you take the leaders of a company, and so whether it's a day or two or even three, I, there's one question we address the whole time: What do we need to do to make our company a bit better? And and that may sound tried it here, but if you think about that for a little bit and reflect on it, most people use the word: We need to change. We need to change this, and it becomes a whole, whole internal resistance to that. Um, my buddy John Cotter, who's an expert in change management, I, I've uh, told him, I says, I never use the word change or change management ever again. It's all how do we get a bit better? And people love 
the rallying cry, yeah, I can be a bit better. And then as compared to, hey, we got to make some changes. You got yourself some some systems problems, some people barricades barricading down, yeah. and resistance and and but how do we get better? And I have so much fun leading companies to the conclusion of how to get better by way of their ideas, not mine. So that's again, all I need to do is ask the right question, let them have a have a forum to pursue it and pursue it with rigor because the Lord does say, whatever you do, do it as hardly as under the Lord. And there's a lot of people that don't because of the system, but I create systems that let them do it hardly as under the Lord. So that's another thing I do. It's a lot of fun. Daryl, incredible. I, our time, I can't believe it, but our time is up. And uh, which means we're just going to have to have you back here for a, pretty soon because I never got to any of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, buddy. Well, I apologize. But nevertheless, I'm no, happy to help you. Better. Anytime you ask, I will be there as long as I can schedule it. Yeah. Well, no, no. I, don't get me wrong. What, what, what you talked about is, uh, was better than my question. So um, this, was, this was so uh, informative and, and entertaining. And thank you very much, Daryl. And we will, uh, as I say, we'll have you back. Um, well, the next time I want to talk about what you, what, what you do is using your God-given gifts for his glory. That's a subject that I'd love to talk about because you did that and, and you were you were at the top of your game because you used your God-given gifts of music mm-hmm. and writing, composing, and then putting lyrics and, uh, and rhythm. I don't even know what I'm talking about, uh, but you, you did it. And, and that's what my goal is for people is to learn to find out and develop their God-given talents, no matter what they are. And uh, so anyway, have me back another time. Fantastic. And you've got me. Fantastic. Okay, Daryl. Lord bless you. Thank you so much. Be with you, my friend. Okay, God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Whoa, how was that, folks? That was fantastic. I got to go back to the beginning and listen to it one more time. I hope you do the same. And uh, don't miss, don't miss one of these. These are fantastic. And uh, come back to 